turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we'll end up at Genesis 3, but we'll start with Genesis 1. Um, I don't know, <clears throat> but I'm amazed whenever I turn the TV on and there's a sports announcer there, or a couple of sports announcers that are just uh, giving the, all of the information about the game and the players and uh, sports history as far back as you can remember. I'm amazed by all of that. I, I, uh, they give us a wealth of information. They seem to know everything about every player. And I'll be honest with you, when they start to share, I can't keep up. I cannot keep up. I, uh, I'm left in the dust as far as all the information that they know. How many of you know that's true? How many, how many of you have experienced that? How many sportscasters do we have out there? All right, then you know what I'm talking about is true. I mean, as good as you are, you're not good as these guys who can rattle off every stat that has ever been put in the books. And so uh, I share that with you because you and I need to be able to do the same with God's Word. You and I need to know it very well. We need to be a wealth of information. We need to share that information. We need to know as much as we can about every player, so to speak, if I put it that way. And, um, and so this is a good opportunity for us to do that. Beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to look at several verses here. You know the context. God is creating the world, and He does in the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, and sixth day. And Notice what He says in verse 26. Then God said... Let us make man in our image. Now, God doesn't make these kind of plans with angels. And there weren't any men around to make these plans with either. So then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's a pretty good thing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now this isn't the first time that God has a conversation with the Godhead. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You'll see it again showing up in chapter 3, verse 22. And I just want to bring this to your attention so that you understand that God communicates and has conversation and discussion, if I put it that way. Uh, someone said years ago, a theologian said he debates, but I, I don't see how that's possible since the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God, and they all agree. But notice what he says in chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And this happens, what, after the fall of Adam and Eve. And since they will know good and evil, and now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground. I always wondered as a kid, by the way, why God would say that uh, unless he eats of the tree. I mean, there was two trees in the garden. 
uh, there were lots of trees, lots of fruit trees and, and lots of food to eat. But there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They weren't supposed to touch that, but there was the tree of life. And I would think, well, if, if you have to suffer the consequences of your sin by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why couldn't you just walk over to the tree of life and eat the tree and, and live and have a reversal of your, of your first mistake? But here's the problem. The problem is, and I think it's obvious to all of us when we think about it, the problem is that if Adam and Eve would have taken and eaten of the tree of life and lived forever, it would have been in their sinful state. And that's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. This is not just the second time that God talks about, that we have conversations between uh, the Godhead. But in chapter 11, verse 7, we have another one. And this is, uh, this is the Tower of Babel. When, uh, when the world decided that we were smart enough to run everything... We were smart enough to do whatever we want. We were smart enough to say, you know what? Man is his own destiny, and whatever we put our minds to, we can do. I cringe when I hear that. And they were saying that back here at the Tower of Babel. But the Lord came down in verse 5 to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, all people are one, and they have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose, now you hear this? Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Man, they can do anything. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And those weren't the only ones. Uh, we run into it again later on in Scripture. But the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Back to chapter 1, verse 27, because I want you to see this. In verse 26, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Now, I want to suggest something to you right off the bat. Sometimes we, sometimes we try to get too much detail in Scripture, and sometimes it ruins what we should believe. But when the Bible says, and God said, let us make men in our image, according to our likeness, he's using two words to describe the very same thing. He's using them interchangeably. He's using one word, and then he's emphasizing it. Now, you and I know that what God is not doing, you know that he is not reproducing his very essence or his very being, so that we're all little gods. You know that. And you know the image doesn't have anything to do specifically with our bodies, specifically. Although we're created in the image of God in both body or soul and, uh, or spirit. And all of that is in the image of God. And I'd love, to, I'd love to talk about how we are somehow in the image of God as far as our bodies are concerned, but can't do that today. But I want you to notice that God said, let us make man in our image and to emphasize that according to our likeness. Now, one reason why I say that those two are interchangeable is because when you go through Scripture, you'll see this reference again in chapter 5, verse 1, where God creates us in His image and likeness. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. He just doesn't even use the term image. The emphasis has been made, and now He uses likeness alone. 
Then when you go over to chapter 9, <laughs> you'll see that he does, it does it differently. In chapter 9, verse 6, he talks about um, whoever sheds, sheds man's blood after the flood. He says that that, that person's uh, life shall be taken for in the, verse 6, in the image of God he made man. And notice he doesn't use the word likeness, he uses image. So I just want to suggest to you the possibility that you can overdo Scripture sometimes. And you, For instance, let me be honest with you about this. When the Bible says that God created us with a body and a soul, He uses the term soul and body interchangeably all through Scripture, and Jesus in the New Testament does it. Sometimes we make too much of a deal, too much of a deal in trying to separate the soul or the, in the, or the spirit. And, uh, but the thing is that the Bible tells us in, 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 in Genesis chapter 2 that what God did in verse 7 is the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. An immaterial part with a body, a material part. Now, once again, God isn't reproducing His essence or being. We'd all be little gods. But God is creating us, or He created us, and is continuing to create human beings. He's created us with attributes or characteristics that we can share with Him. This is the beauty of being created in the image and likeness of God. The wonderful thing about that is he's creating us with attributes that he can communicate with us, that we can share together. All right? That's very, very important for us to understand that because it means then that we can have fellowship with God. It means that we can be connected to God. There are lots of religions around the world where you don't have a personal relationship with God because God's not a personal God. But God is a personal God. Since we've been created in His image and likeness, we are created to have fellowship with Him. We are created to be connected with Him. Think about this now. When Adam and Eve fell in chapter 3, look at verse 8 for just a second. When Adam and Eve fell in chapter 3, we say, uh-oh, we got a big problem now. But before we read verse 8, I want to suggest to you the possibility that God was in fellowship with Adam and Eve right from the very beginning, and He talked with them in the cool of the day, not just in chapter 3, but before this. But you and I know in chapter 3, verse 8, that there's a, something's wrong. You and I know that. Because in verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And God called out to Adam. Now think about this. In previous days, I don't know if it was weeks or months or whatever, in previous days, God said to them, listen, guys, I have two trees in the garden. Think about that in the same way that you would think about it here in chapter 3. Maybe God walking in the cool of the day. And saying, I got two trees here. One of them is a tree of life, and one of them is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says nothing about how he manifests himself. But it does say that he had a connection with Adam and Eve that now has been damaged. See, I used to raise rabbits, and I used to go up in the morning at like 5 o'clock in the morning. No, 6 o'clock in the morning before school. 
school was so early when, you know, well, anyway. But, uh, but the point is, we used to go up, it was dark. It was always dark in the wintertime, and I'd go up, and I'd go in there, and, 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 and you never saw me looking at my rabbits and saying to them, let's talk, guys, let's talk. I didn't do that. Because there's no connection. Now, God created us to have a connection with animals, right? Because God's going to have animals around forever and ever and ever. In the new earth, He's going to have animals too. And so He wants us to have a limited connection with them, but we don't connect with animals nearly in the same way we connect with God, do we? No. And uh, interestingly enough, God made similarities between us and animals uh, we have four appendages, we have heads, and, and um, we have eyes, and we have ears, and, and all that kind of stuff. So there is a limited way that we are in communication. The one problem I always had when I was a kid, I used to ride horses, and I could not communicate well with the horse I was riding. It didn't seem to do what I wanted him to do most of the time. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. But I don't stand over an ant hill and say, ants, now you can figure me out, right? You know who I am. You know I'm talking to you. You know that I want to have some fellowship. And I, that would be stupid. It would be, it would be ridiculous for me to suggest that. But you see, we've been created in the image and likeness of God so that we can communicate and we can share in fellowship in connection. So having said that, so there's two things that being in the image and likeness of God should be no problem for us. Two things. They're both in this passage of Scripture in chapter 1. The two things that should be no problem for us since we have been created in the image and likeness of God is number one, verse 26 says, God said, let us make men in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We should have no problem when it comes to having dominion over God's creation, especially in the animal world, since that's what he's referring to here. We should have no problem. The second thing that we should have no problem with is in the very next verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him what? Everybody together, male and female. We should have, second of all, no problem accepting our roles as male and female and acting accordingly. After all, you're male for all eternity and you're female for all eternity. That's what the Scriptures teach. So a problem develops early on. In chapter 3, when the Bible says that Adam and Eve had fallen and couldn't get up, notice how God says, okay, now we're going to have a problem with male and female roles. And part of the curse, God is going to say, listen, this isn't the way it originally is. You're both in leadership positions. You're both equal in my eyes. You're both equal in every respect with different roles. But now we're going to have a problem because of sin. The man is going to be a little aggressive in ruling his wife. And the wife is going to crave his attention 
and love. Power struggles develop because of this. But because we were born in the image of God, created in His image, we shouldn't have that problem. But you see, the problem is that now the serpent in chapter 3, verse 1, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree? And the woman says, Yep, God says we can eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree in the midst of the garden, we can't eat of it. And, of course, the devil seduced her. The devil deceived her. The devil said, Well... God, you don't listen to that. He doesn't. He knows why he told you that, and he's just hiding this all from you. But in reality, go and eat. Eat it. Doesn't it look good? So the woman saw the tree. It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. In verse 6, she took of the fruit, ate it, and the rest is history. They fell. They have fallen and can't get up. That's why we need the Lord to lift us up. That's why, you know, from then on, it's not mankind pulling up his self by his own bootstraps. It's not that, that, you can't do that. The Bible doesn't teach that we have the capability of doing that. And so we have problems accepting our roles as male and female. And we also have problems having dominion over the face of the earth. Now, let me explain it. Let, let me do this as quickly as I can. Turn to two passages of Scripture. Turn to Psalm 8. Maybe I don't need to say a whole lot. Maybe I will just let Scripture do the talking. Okay? And me with very little explanation. In Psalm 8, I want you to see Psalm 8, verses 4 and 9. Now, this is all related to creation. Because God says in verse 4 of Psalm 8, What is man that you, and you is capitalized, that refers to God, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have everybody together, if you've got a new King James, it's in the pew there, you can read this with us. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And then here's the punchline. You have made him, everybody together, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. And I say, it takes me right back to God's original design for us that being a part of created in the image of God, we are to have dominion over his creation. Now, it's limited. You know, there's only one passage of Scripture in the Bible that seems to indicate that he just gave it all to us lock, stock, and barrel. Only one. But there are hundreds of passages of Scripture that teach that this universe and this world is under God's sovereign care. He is actively involved in everything and that we are co-rulers with him when it comes to dominion. And that's critical, because I can just see people whipping out their Bibles and looking at the Psalm 115, I believe it is, who says, well, God, God gave the earth to us, and we can do with it what we want. And ignoring all the other passages, we need to be like the sports announcer who has a wealth of information because he knows every stat there is about every player and every game ever played. Well, 
I want you to turn now to the second passage of Scripture, which is in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, because I want you to answer a question. Since the fall of man, how good of a job have we done with having dominion over the earth? How good of a job have we done? So in Hebrews chapter 2, we have the answer here. It's, I, love, I love how the New Testament all explains a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament that we need to know, but don't yet know. Now, I, I'm going to break in in verse 5, and you'll recognize the context immediately. For he, that's God, that's capitalized, right? For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, everybody together, what is man that you are mindful of him? Where does it come from? It comes from the passage we just, just read. Psalm 8. But he gives additional information here that you and I need to know. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all, that's God, put all in subjection under him, under man. He, God, left nothing that is not put under man. As a co-worker with God, please keep that in mind. But now, what does it say? But now we do not yet see all things put under Him. Hadn't happened yet. It would have happened a long time ago if Adam and Eve would not have sinned in the Garden of Eden. But because Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, things have changed. Things have changed. And man does not yet have... Sometimes we think we do. Sometimes we think we can control everything there is on earth. Sometimes I think we think we play God. But we do not yet have the dominion that God says that we're supposed to have. And I love, like I told you before, I love to... Whenever I read Genesis, I love to read... Revelation, and we just came off of Revelation, and I love this book by Randy Alcorn because, like I said last week, he is not only um, uh, has a great theology on heaven, but he, well, he taught hermeneutics, which is the science of interpretation in college. So you can go through this and you can see how he figures things out from a good, solid, biblical perspective. But I just want to read just a real quick statement here because if it were left to me, I would spend 10 minutes describing it for you when he just gives it to you in a couple short sentences. But he says to us here, he says, Jesus Christ is going to exercise dominion over all the nations. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. He's quoting a psalm in the Old Testament. As the new head of the human race, Christ, with His beloved people as His bride and co-rulers, will at last accomplish what was entrusted to Adam and Eve. God's saints will, feel on, will fulfill on the new earth the role God first assigned to Adam and Eve on the old earth. They shall reign forever and ever from the book of Revelation. Now, he makes some very interesting statements about how we are really messing things up under our sinful condition now. Now, 
when we should go to the Lord and acknowledge our sin and say, Lord, you're the governor of the universe. You're in control of all of this. We depend upon you, and we pray, Lord, that you would renew our thinking in this whole area. We're just going out there, and we're just do, we just think that we know it all and can do whatever we want. And save the planet. That needs to be said. That needs to be said. We are unable... By the way... Um, you know that the Bible teaches that you and I are going to be a part of that dominion, right? And you and I know that you and I are going to be a part of ruling with Christ, right? Do you remember when the Apostle Paul, I got a string of passages of Scripture here. I'll, 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 I won't even look at the ones in, 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 in the Gospels because you will all say, well, those refer to God's promises to the disciples. They're going to reign. You know, they have bigger positions and uh, they're going to reign. But you remember when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, this messy church of Corinth, that really needs to grow. And he says, dare any of you have any, having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous, not before the saints. You're taking your, you're taking your problems to a pagan court and asking a pagan court to solve your problems. And then the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? He's, he's writing to these common, ordinary members of the church of Corinth who have a string of problems here that, that God is working on through the Apostle Paul. Now, I've got I to finish this up, so I, I want to I make a point here. We have fallen and we can't get up. The image and likeness of God has been damaged by sin. You and I know that. If you're in 1 Corinthians, if you, if you went over there, go to, go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 for just a second. Ephesians chapter 4 for just a second. Now, there's a parallel passage in Colossians. We referred to it last week. We don't have time to do that. We're wrapping this up. But I want, you to, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. The Apostle Paul says, put off concerning your former conduct the old man. This is the sinful nature that pops up from time to time and messes things up for us and causes us to sin. Because this old man grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. But instead, I want you to, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. Put on the new man that was created according to God in what? True righteousness. We lost that. True holiness. We lost that, and in Colossians chapter 1, where Paul talks about the very same issue, he says, we were created in the image of God. He uses the word image there to describe the fact that our, our righteousness and holiness and our knowledge has been damaged severely because of sin, and our minds need to be renewed so that we can get it back. Now, 
we need to become more like Christ. Now, how many, how, many, how many know that there are just a string of passages of Scripture in the Bible that talk about the fact that God is conforming us to the likeness of Christ? Y'all aware of that, right? I don't have to read them to you, do I? He is conforming us to the likeness of Christ. Every single day we get up, we should become more and more like Christ so that the image and likeness of God can be renewed in us. And then I want to say one final thing here. I mean, as far as application goes, there's plenty of application here, but I, I, want to, I just want to give you one general application now in closing. Uh, already we need to become more like Christ. We need to be renewed in our mind in order to do that. But I want everybody to turn to Ecclesiastes for just a second. You're in the book of Psalms, Proverbs, and after the book of Proverbs you have Ecclesiastes. I want to look at two passages. I just want to, just want to mention them to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. King Solomon is writing this book, and in chapter 7, verse 29, he says, you know, I've made some observations in my life. Smartest man in the world, God said, you're going to have knowledge beyond compare. God led him to write the book of Ecclesiastes, and what does he say in verse 29? Truly this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. We have fallen, can't get up. To renew the image and likeness of God that has been severely damaged because of sin, we need God to renew our minds. But I want to speak generally in our final comment here. Flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Just the first stand, verse, verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And I want to talk to all of you who, I don't know if there's anybody here who doesn't know the Lord. And, and you, you may be sure there's a God, but you certainly don't go beyond that and seek for a relationship with Christ. I hope that's not the case, but if this is the case, i got one passage for you. Based on the fact that God has created us, and based on the fact that He has created us in His image and likeness, Solomon ends his book by saying in verse 12, everybody together, remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Let that sink in. Will you? Then read the rest of the chapter where he explains why you and I need to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us with it, encourage us with it, use it in our hearts to help us to grow. Thank you so much for sharing this information with us so that we know that we can have fellowship with you and be connected in those attributes, those characteristics that you communicate with us together as our creator, the knowledge, the righteousness, and the holiness, and others, other, other attributes as well. In Jesus, your precious name we pray, amen.